Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist, and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Good. How are you doing? So I would love for you to just give us a nice introduction about, you know, who you are and a little bit more about your platform. For those who don't know me, my name is Shane. Um, I was a professional ballet dancer for 12 years, danced with the Vienna State Opera, San Francisco Ballet, and then uh, finished up my career with Queensland Ballet here in Australia. Um, when I retired, I moved into personal training and um, kind of started coaching dancers a couple of years after starting as a personal trainer. Uh, and then during the pandemic, uh, did a lot of stuff online because everything was shut down. Obviously, we couldn't, we couldn't work um, face to face uh, and then launched an adult ballet studio. So I worked pretty much only with adults for a couple of years. Uh, and now I run Athletistry, which is like an online coaching um, uh, for dancers of all ages and those who are looking to improve, but not just from a, a dance perspective, but also from a, a strength and conditioning perspective as well uh, to help dancers stay strong and, and healthy and, and injury-free for as long as possible. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you do, it sounds like you just do it all. <laughs> you do a lot and it's awesome. And I love, I've been loving following uh, your platform and also the shifts that you you've made, which I kind of want to get into a little bit just from your professional career and then working uh, with just adults and then really what you've come to now. So I'd love to know, how has your relationship with dance shifted? I think every, you know, everyone who, who has a, a career in dance has that a big shift that happens at some point because they go from, from living the, the dance life, waking up, taking class, uh, rehearsing, performing to uh, you know, what do I do now? What's my next thing when, when that career ends? And it's, it's often not uh, an end that you're expecting. Oftentimes it happens when you least expect it, right? Like there's, there's, for me, it was not, it was not like, oh, I'm going to retire now, I'm done. It was, it was an unexpected finish. So I went through this process of kind of soul searching, like what do I want to do now? Because there was, it was, uh, for me, it was, it was actually not a happy ending to my career. I was, I was not, uh, ready to finish, but um, circumstances led me to, to that point. And so for me, it was like, what do I want to do? How can I continue to still move and still um, still have an impact um, in, in something that I haven't necessarily you know, trained for, for many years? Because ballet takes, takes so many years out of your life. Like, for, you know, if you think about, I was 30 when I retired um, and you know, started dancing at five. So that's 25 years of, of, of work that all of a sudden now I can't utilize that in a performance capacity anymore. So for me, it was, okay, I want to, I want to learn more about my body and what I've, you know, what I've been utilizing as my tool for so many years. And so personal training 
was quick enough because it wasn't going to be a, a, a university degree where I was going studying for many years, still had a family to support, uh, but was going to give me the information and the understanding to know how to help people, um, how to continue to um, to work with with the body, and then also to to help people to work with their own bodies to to understand better. So, I um, I went into personal training, and for for a year, it was I, like I didn't work with dancers at all. I only did um, uh, kind of the general population uh, training, and I think for me that was a really eye opening process because as dancers we have almost like this natural understanding of the body and how things work because of how often we're working with our bodies. Uh, but, but as, as non-dancers, there's often this lack of awareness of, of the self and how you move and, and what's going on. So that almost was like the ultimate training of how do I now take this back to dancers and say, okay, you have this intuitive understanding of what's going on, but let's actually help you to understand why that's working and what's, going, what's actually happening and how that can connect and how that can help you to move better and understand your body better. So for me, it was almost like now post dance career, I understood so much more about dance than I did when I was dancing because of the experience that I had working with non-dancers. Um, and I thought, okay, well now I have to, now I have to take this. And I have to help dancers to stay strong and stay healthy because my, my career ended with knee injuries. And so um, a lot of the, the uh, health professionals that I was working with were basically saying, oh, you're never going to have uh, the ability to get rid of this. You're just going to have to keep taking anti-inflammatories if you want to get through the pain. And like, I know now that that's ridiculous. I could, there was so much more that I could have been doing at the time, uh, but the knowledge just wasn't there. No one was helping, was helping anybody. So that was, that kind of became my mission to take my experience from dance and say, look, you don't have to have this negative outcome. You can have a positive one. Let's, let's help you get there. I love that. And in some strange ways, I, I just feel like my path was a little bit similar in regards to transitioning into this career that is so, or was so not necessarily utilized in the dance world in regards to nutrition and then having to still with what I have to do now, uh, there's some research that, you know, is emerging on dancers when it comes to learning, you know, what specific nutrients they benefit from and um, macronutrient balances and so forth. But that research is so new. You know what I mean? I've been a dietitian for 10 years now and I've been working with dancers for 10 years and so much of what I've had to really learn has had has been built off of the athletic community, not necessarily off of the dance community. But one thing that you talk about that I think is so interesting, because I, I tr you've, you really got the point across really well. And it's something I've tried to explain to dancers. A lot of the work that I do as a dietitian who um, has a focus in intuitive eating, right, which is that learning about body attunement and those cues. I always try to explain how dancers have such a strong sense of body attunement, but when it comes to these cues, especially like hunger cues, they so often go unnoticed for dancers and dancers will either just, um, it doesn't always have to be intentionally ignoring them. I think disordered eating gets a, a lot of airtime right now for dancers, but that's not always the case. It could also just be busy and physically active schedules. So I think it was really interesting how you discussed that dancers do have this extreme level of body attunement. And then I'm curious to hear from you, are there challenges in that as well in regards to what you've had to 
in how you teach dancers. I know that they are very body aware, but what I've experienced are challenges in regards to intuitive cues of knowing how to feel the body. You know, that is that is something obviously that comes up, especially in a, in a conditioning sense that um, because in, in a ballet class, we often have this, this mentality of, oh, you know, I just have to keep pushing. I just have to keep working. Like there's no time to rest. Like next combination, let's just go, go, go. Uh, when you say to a dancer, okay, let's take a minute rest between sets, they're like, what do you mean? I, I can I can rest now. This is this is weird. I like I, I want to be I want to keep moving, and so they kind of feel like inside themselves like they're not doing enough work, and then they wake up the next morning like oh that was really hard. I I didn't realize how how much I had done, um, and I think that that is that is probably something as well that I think you know with dance dance science and and the, the kind of marriage of dance science and and traditional dance training over the coming years maybe even in the next 10 years, we'll start to see the traditional ballet class start to change a little bit in the way that it's, that it's designed because we'll start to understand the condition, you know, the, the basis of periodization for exercise and that will come more into the dance environment. We'll say, Hey, look, you don't need to push for seven minutes for one combination when you could do five or six one minute combinations and actually get a better result out of it. Right. Um, I think they will, they will start, to, and, and even, even in companies, I think we'll start to see more, um, more and more sports, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, exercise physiologists, more dietitians, more people who are helping dancers to understand how their body works. Um, which, you know, it's, it's interesting also working just in, in a functional movement sense with dancers, because from such a very young age, our natural functional movements are kind of trained out of us. Like if you think about a squat, dancers really struggle generally with, with doing squats because when we do a plie, we don't really get much hip hinge. Like we keep the body perfectly upright, we're in a turned down position. Um, and so oftentimes when I'll get a dancer to just do a parallel squat, they almost can't do it. They don't know how to let their body come forward naturally in relation to their shins and it's very difficult. And so a lot of also what I will do with dancers is say, okay, well, you understand how your body works for dance, but let's actually make you functionally healthy as well so that you're not just a healthy dancer, but a healthy overall person and then move forward with that. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. And again, so many parallels with the work that I do as a dietitian for dancers, because there's this um, really the work that I do, it integrates this uh, idea of learning how to get back to our abilities of fueling our bodies intuitively, which, and I say get back to that because we're all born intuitive eaters. We don't have all of that negative necessarily messaging from diet culture. That's kind of just, you know, the shoulds and the should nots, for example. Um, so with, with dance, what I end up having to do is really integrate this idea of, well, when we're in the studio, we have to have a more proactive approach because you are, I mean, you're, you're moving your body at a level uh, that parallels that of an athlete, right? So there has to be a proactive approach to nutrition, but how can we also integrate this intuitive approach that doesn't feel restrictive, that doesn't feel confined? And I, very similar to what you're saying in regards to just learning, you know, okay, well, this is how we, how we're feeling as dancers, but then how do we also integrate that, um, that balance so that we can also move through life and enjoy, you know, the cultural aspects of food and the socialization around food and not only have food be this aspect for physical performance, because it does play such an important role in that, but it's not necessarily the only role. So I think that a lot of what you're saying just makes so much sense. And it really just parallels. And I agree 
hopefully over this, you know, over the years, we just start to see more and more of this integration with dance science, because just seeing the work that you do with dancers and how you are truly um, helping them embody all aspects of their training and really utilizing that to fine tune their skills is just truly fascinating. Now, I know you briefly mentioned that you struggled with an injury uh, when you were dancing. I'm curious, maybe that was the point or maybe there was another point, but did you ever have a point where you started to connect nutrition or food with your training? After I finished dancing. And I think, I think a lot of that had to do, unfortunately, with the, with the schedules that we had to keep as dancers, right? Like a lot of the, a lot of the time, you know, it was, it was class and then into rehearsal and then, and then maybe you had 30 minutes for a lunch break and then back into more rehearsals. And then, you know, by the time you got home, you maybe didn't want to eat dinner. You were, you were tired and it didn't feel right for you. And, and then, you know, you, you get to nine o'clock at night and it's like, Oh, now I'm hungry. So then you'd go and you'd have something. And, and it never felt like there was any consistency, but, the focus was never put on food either from any like no one ever said hey you need to eat well to sustain your body it was just like you know just eat because you're hungry and, and <laughs> go and do what you want right um and so, so you know <laughs> if, if that ended up being a packet a whole packet of cookies and a chocolate bar at 10 o'clock at night that's what you ended up doing because that's what you had in the cupboard um and then you know on top of that performance schedules would often get in the way of, of how you were eating and and whatnot so um, unfortunately for a lot of dancers, there's just not any, any guidance, or at least when I was dancing, there wasn't a lot of guidance around um, how to eat intuitively, right? Like how, how to take care of yourself. It was just whatever you can put in your body to get quick energy is pretty much what's going to end up happening. Um, it started towards the end of my career that people started to talk about it. And I remember them bringing a dietitian in and having a chat. But even at that, it was done in such a way that it was like, oh, okay, this is like our obligation to bring somebody in to talk with the dancers. And we were kind of forced to be there and no one wanted to be there because we had a show that after that. And it, like, it, was, it wasn't done in a way that made us feel like we were being supported or that it was actually going to help us. It was like, a, you have to sit through this half an hour talk with the dietitian because that's what we're doing, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, I think if there had been more importance put on just look, if you, if you eat that's in a way that's going to support you and it's going to help your body to stay healthy, your career will last longer. You'll have, you'll have the ability to actually make it through rehearsal without feeling like you're going to fall over. Um, you know, you'll, you won't get as injured because your joints will actually have the nutrients that they need to repair in recovery, right? And I think a lot of that stuff just, it wasn't explained to us. Like they brought it, they brought it into... Mm-hmm. Um, being about, oh, you know, don't drink so much alcohol. Like that was, that was what it came down to. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you're drinking too much in the company, so stop drinking so much as a, as a whole, like to the entire company. And it's like, okay, so you need to drink less, but we're up until 11 o'clock at night and we need a way to come down at night. That seems to be the easiest way. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is the easiest way. I'm just saying that that tends to be the, the culture that develops in, in adult company life, right? So... It's it's something that I think probably now is getting better. I mean, I'm not I'm not in the company space to know how well they're doing with that with that discussion, but I think it is definitely a challenge for dancers to know how to take care of themselves because we're especially we're thrust into the world at a very young age. Like I was I was living on my own at 16. Um, I know my wife was already living on her own in Europe at, at 
14 and a half, 15. And so oftentimes you haven't learned the, the skills necessary to cook and take care of yourself and feed yourself well. And you just kind of, oh, that person's doing that. Okay, I'll do that. Or you don't have the money necessarily either to eat the way that you, that you should be eating too. So there are, I think there's a lot of variables that are a challenge in that space for dancers these days. <clears throat> Absolutely. And honestly, all of those challenges are still very prominent in regards to lack of education, dancers being put into pre-professional or even professional worlds very young, um, not living with their families, living in dorms with a zillion other dancers who either have some questionable habits around food, you know, um, and then of course, accessibility from a financial standpoint, from an environment standpoint, when you're going on tour and you're young and you don't necessarily know how to fuel your body. So all of those challenges still come into play. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, hopefully the industry as a whole will just continue to shift and move, move forward. I always say also social media can be a, a major detriment, but it can actually also be a major benefit in the sense of, um, you know, dietitians like myself, accounts like yours, just having access as long as dancers are following um, accounts that are credible sources, whether it's for like yourself for training, like myself for food and nutrition, then there's definitely information out there. It's just there's a lot of information out there and it could often be also really confusing. <laughs> Um, but I'm curious to hear from you because a lot of dancers do struggle with that hyper-focused mindset. I notice this with my clients, with the younger dancers mainly that aren't necessarily yet at that company level, um, but they are, they just want to do everything in their power to get there. So they tend to hyper-focus on just their training in the studio. So I'm curious to hear from you about how you promote balance, both uh, from a cross-training perspective, but just also from a life perspective. Yeah, I think it is important to have an outlet. You need to have something that is not just ballet, right? Like if that's, if that's, your, if that's your, let's say your, your passion, what, what you want to achieve, especially as a young student, if you're wanting to, to make it a ballet dancer, there's going to be a lot of time and effort that's put into that. And it has to be that way. Like you, you can't get away from that. Um, I think, I think oftentimes, especially um, in many of the schools that I work with, uh, there's too much time being put in. So uh, I'm finding that a lot of students are doing 40, 50, 60 hour weeks, um, which in, in my opinion is too much. Uh, you know, as a professional dancer, we didn't do that much time at, in the studio. So to add 14, 15, 16 mm -hmm. year old children to do that is, is almost too much, right? Like it's, it's, that it's almost negligent to me, in my opinion but <clears throat> i think i think yeah. there does have to be an outlet of some sort right and for me like my my personal outlet when i was when i was um, dancing ballet i loved to do ballroom so like i would i would go on the weekends and i would just dance and it was fun right like it was it was not there was no stress put on and it was not to to reach a career in, in ballroom or anything it was just hey let's go socialize and have fun and, and, and go out so for me that, that was that was something i did um, but you know, for, for everyone, it could be something different. I know like in San Francisco ballet, a lot of the dancers played golf or they, they, you know, they had other things that they would go and do, um, bike riding or something. <clears throat> it can still be active. You know, I think, I think we also have this fear of, oh, we don't want to do too much, but you can still stay active and have something that's not related to dance. And that's going to create balance in your life. Um, but you know, even if it's something learning based, right? Like if you want to learn a new skill, if you want to learn, um, 
even even something that's not related to the arts, something in the sciences or, or you know anything. Read a book, pick up something that's going to that's going to give you a moment's respite from whatever it is that you're so hyper focused on in the studio. Um, go and see a movie. It's okay. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world to spend a few hours having a little bit of uh, of relaxed time every now and then. <clears throat> It'll actually probably do do you some good, because uh, I think what what people uh, sometimes forget is that dance, as much as it is very technical, as much as it is very much a a physical um, effort, it's also creative. It's a creative process. And anytime that you want to do something creative, you need to have um, kind of like dead time where you're not doing anything because the, the brain needs to fully relax and get into that, that, um, that repair mode in, in order to allow yourself to be creative. And so if you're always going, if you're never stopping, you're never taking that time to relax, you're actually stopping yourself from reaching your creative potential. So the more time that you take, Mm -hmm. potentially you're giving yourself that that moment for your brain to say oh now i can integrate that movement or now i understand what i was trying to get in in class today and it may come at you know three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and now i get it right and it's it's those things that if you don't let yourself sleep if you don't let yourself rest if you don't give yourself the time to recover you're not going to have those moments of kind of like those little light bulbs that go off and epiphany moments that, that suddenly now you have the creativity spark again. And you can go back in with more enthusiasm and more inspiration to, to create and work more. So important for dancers who are listening to just hear your message with this because we all know that uh, self-doubt that trickles in, right, when we're not in the studio and if to both be reassured that there shouldn't necessarily be self-doubt, but that this could actually benefit benefit you, this negative time and how it can benefit your creative process. And uh, one thing that I do talk about with dancers, you know, is the discomfort that might be experienced in this moment, you know what I mean, of, of downtime? Because I think as dancers, especially for my, you know, just fellow type A perfectionist mindset type dancers, it's hard for us to even consider the idea of downtime, right? Like doing nothing can feel actually really scary. And I think it also goes back to just having that I say this word a lot, but that this proactive um, approach in regards to the ability to acknowledge like this is challenging, but reassuring and fact checking that this is going to benefit me and, and exactly with what you explain how it's going to benefit you is, you know, how you can then either bring other life experiences into your creative process or just utilize that time to process literally process everything that's already happened sometimes you'll find with, with dancers like i'll work with them for a term and then they'll have a couple of weeks off where they'll take some time off when they come back whatever they were working on in the last term is suddenly so much improved and they haven't been working for those two weeks it's not like they've been going and doing classes over the over the time off they've actually just let their body relax but when they come back into the studio after having that that moment for the nervous system to kind of say hey look i get this now i understand what i'm supposed to do i'm not fatigued anymore i can actually lift my legs and do my do my movements, then they're actually going to be in a better off place. And then because that movement has been integrated and the, and the patterns have been, have been um, taken to that place of uh, what I would call um, unconscious confidence, then they, can then they can move forward with that and kind of be like, okay, now I can do the next thing. I can take on that next step of learning as opposed to just constantly working at the same, kind of grinding away at the same stone. Yeah, fabulous. Honestly, such fabulous advice 
throughout this entire chat, Shane, really. Can you talk to us a little bit more about your work with athletistry and how you are integrating your experience as a dancer, as a coach, um, also your work as an NLP coach. So I'm just curious to hear about the integration and how you bring all of this into this incredible platform. I mean, what I do now, the majority of what I do is one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I do have a, a platform with uh, like programs that I put together to help with certain technical elements or um, to create conditioning programs or even workshops that I run. Uh, they're all available on our, on our website. But the majority of what I do is one-on-one -on -one because I think the most impact you can have with somebody is in that face-to-face one-on-one, whether it's by Zoom or, or actually in person, um, because you can break down some of the things that maybe are confusing for the dancer. Um, you can help them with corrections that maybe they haven't understood in a group setting to, to kind of dive into that and, and, and make it make more sense to them. Because um, I think a lot of the time, what dancers struggle with is is not that they don't want to improve. Right? I think everybody in the studio wants to get better, but when they had to get a correction, maybe it doesn't make sense the way that they wanted it, that the teacher wanted it to, or maybe it hasn't hasn't sunk in from a communication standpoint the way that that the teacher was expecting it to, which kind of plays towards NLP, which NLP means uh, stands for neuro linguistic programming, and it was a method of of um, using speech as a way to get a desired result. So helping, helping people, not, not in like a manipulative way, like you're not supposed to use it in that way at all, although some people do, unfortunately, um, but to help people to, to understand through their um, main ways of processing information to better understand things. So for example, everybody has a different way of processing information, either visually, auditory, or, or kinesthetic. And you can use language um, with a person who's auditory that sounds more visual, and they're not going to be able to handle. They're not going to understand what's going on. Like if I said to someone who's auditory, "Look at this," mm -hmm. they're going to shut down. They're not going to get the information. Whereas if someone's auditory and I start to say, "Now listen to the way that I'm explaining this," they're going to have a much more um, close uh, rapport with what I'm saying, and more likely that the, the corrections are going to go in. If someone's kinesthetic you can't get them to just stand there and watch you because they're going to they're gonna shut down. So you have to actually move their body and let them feel it and help them from a more hands-on um, perspective. So listening to people, right? Listening to students. I will get students to talk to me in the classroom because I need to hear the way that they express themselves. If someone doesn't talk, how are you going to know if they're visual, kinesthetic, or auditory? Like you have to hear what their natural way of speech is. If they're using a lot of sound... Um, sound-based words are going to be more auditory. If they're using a lot of visual explanations, they're going to be more, more visual. Um, if they're using a lot of movement, like they can't get the words out and they're like, like this, you know, and then you know, obviously they're going to be more pathetic, right? So uh, taking that into a coaching perspective and saying, okay, well, now I know how to reach you. Like it's not just as simple as saying, okay, turn out, lift your legs, do this. Maybe sometimes it's watch my body and how I move look at me, I see what I'm doing, or um, going into a more in-depth explanation, right? Like there's some, there are some people who are um, what we call auditory digital, where just listening is not enough. They need to know all of the ex explanation possible about how that thing works. So you have to go into, okay, well now the knee is gonna do this, and then the quadricep is going to extend this. And then finally, because they can put all of those little pieces together in their mind from an auditory perspective, now they can make their body do it. 
And so for me, like the coaching element of it is, is so much more than just, okay, we're getting each valid. It's, it's connecting with the person that's helping them to understand how they connect with the world. Even if I don't say any of this stuff to them, it's, it's kind of, you know, under, under layer. Um, but we're, we're processing so much information on a daily basis, right? Like even in the rooms we're in now, there's the hums of the electronics. The lights are, are, are on. We've got headphones on potentially. You've got both of us talking at you. You've got, you know, the dishwasher running in the other room. The kids are crying. There's music going, right? Like all of these things that our brain is trying to process. Um, and if you, if you think about consciously what's going on, it's taking those billions and billions and billions of inputs and it's funneling them down to like seven. And so if something else is catching your attention and you're not able to focus because the person that's telling you the correction is not giving it to you in a way that your body or your mind is able to take on, you're going to focus on the light that's flickering on the ceiling because you're more visual. Or you're going to focus on the person across the room who's fidgeting and pulling at their leotard because you're more kinesthetic. And in those moments, you may have missed whatever the correction was. And it's not because you're a bad learner or you're not capable or it's not you know, that you can't do what the teacher's asking. It's just that they haven't found a way to connect with you as a student. And so for me, as a coach and as a teacher, I think, okay, well, my job is to find a way to connect with that student and then to change my communication method to make them understand what it is that I want them to be able to do. So fascinating. I think it's, it's honestly something I haven't really learned much about. And I just listening to you speak, it really shows to the testament of uh, the value of one-on-one -on -one work, which I experience as well as a dietitian, you know, whether it is over um, virtually or in person, I think there's so much value to be said about dancers uh, that aren't able to get that individual work. Because as you said, every dancer is so individual in what they need and how they learn and how they process. Um, now, my final question for you before we wrap things up, it's a pretty looming question. And honestly, you've alluded to a lot of your answers throughout this chat, but I'll ask it anyway. How would you define what it means to be healthy? I think you have to um, take it from the perspective of, of understanding, understanding yourself which I think takes, it takes many years to do. I don't think it's something that you can just wake up tomorrow, especially if you're not in a place of, of being there yet and say, okay, well now today I'm, I'm healthy, right? Like I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. And it's not something that like, once you find it, now you're there, right? And it's going to be different for each person, right? Like some people, some people are going to need uh, more sleep. Some people are going to need, to do more exercise. Some people are going to need to eat more depending on their body composition, right? Like all of those things are personal. I think what it really comes down to is finding what your personal state of well-being is and utilizing the coaches and the professionals that are out there that can help you with each of those different parts of the puzzle because there are so many different parts, right? Whether it's professional development, whether it is uh, nutrition, whether it's exercise, whether it's your dance coach, whether it's even just understanding the relationships with the people in your life, because we are, we are social as humans. We're not just mm -hmm. sitting in one place and being alone and locking ourselves off. Um, and you know, if, if everything, if everything is great, but your social relationships are bad, you're going to be in one element of your life unhealthy. Um, and so I think the healthy dancer really comes down to the healthy person. Really, like dance is, is like one element of that, obviously, like what you do and, and how you approach that in the studio and your work. 
but your dance being an art is going to be a uh, representation of who you are as a person. And you can't hide that, you can't fake that. Like your values and who you are as a person, the way that you, you express yourself is going to come through in that movement. And so if you are struggling, if you're physically unwell, if you're, if you're not getting enough rest, if you're not taking care of your body, uh, if your relationships are in a bad place, that will come through in the way that you express your art form. So I think more, more than healthy dancer, what it really comes down to is finding those, those elements. Maybe it's five elements, maybe it's six elements that in your life, personally, you identify as being healthy and then rate yourself. Like be honest with yourself and just say, hey, how are my relationships going at the moment? Am I good with my family? Am I good with my peers? Is everything going well? Um, am I taking care of my environment? Right? Is, my, is my home clean? Am, you know, am, I, am I cleaning my clothes? Am I taking care of the space around me? Am I taking care of myself? Am I making sure that I'm getting enough rest? Am I exercising to make sure my muscles are healthy? Um, am I doing the dancing that I need to do? Right? All of those things, they all come, come in together to make this big pie of, of overall wellness for the individual, um, which again, is gonna look different to each person. So I think find those things, find those elements that are going to help you individually that you can identify or where you need to be. Use a coach to help you with that process as well because uh, sometimes it's hard to identify. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm great. And then you have a conversation with someone and you realize that there are things that actually need to be worked on. Um, and then just constantly evaluate, right? Like say to yourself, hey, how's, how's everything going? Like be honest, just write it down. Like, was today a good day? What can I do tomorrow to make it better? Because my philosophy is each day, it's not about reaching a, an ideal or a standard of, of perfection, but it's about each day doing a little bit better than you did the day before. That if you can say, you know what? Yesterday I didn't, I didn't, um, make it to the gym the way that I wanted to. So tomorrow I'm gonna to make sure that I do that and then doing it, right? Like actually when you make that promise to yourself, keeping that promise to yourself. And then every day, just a little bit of improvement. Find something for yourself that's gonna help you to feel better and to stay stronger and to be happier and to create better relationships and then overall wellness picture comes together. Yeah, Shane, that was, I mean, you've given such beautiful insight. Dancers who are listening, I can't even stress this enough, but you are an invaluable resource to dancers. And I will definitely be sharing uh, or sending dancers your way, actually. You work virtually with dancers, right? And so you work with dancers yeah, worldwide. Well, thank you so much, Shane. This was really wonderful. Thanks and we will definitely be in touch.